Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 83120. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hey, everyone, this is John Roca, frequent panelist on Collider Movie Talk. Let's make some mayhem. Shoot and loot your way through a mayhem-fueled adventure in Borderlands 3. Blast through new worlds and enemies as one of four new playable Vault Hunters, each with deep-skilled trees, abilities, and customization. You've got all new characters, over a billion guns. You can play alone or with friends, and it's available September 13th. You can take on insane enemies, score loads of loot, and save the galaxy from a fanatical threat. Again, mayhem is coming September 13th on PC, Xbox One, and PS4. Pre-order now at Borderlands.com. Rated M for Mature. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive. Brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game. So that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Welcome to your Friday edition of Movie Talk. For the record, this is green tea, not anything else. We're talking about movie trailers today, and then on top of that, J.J. Abrams just struck a very, very big deal, but he could have gotten a bigger deal at Apple if he took that one, but he passed. We're going to talk about that decision, and we've got a little something extra special on today's show. We are doing a Downton Abbey giveaway. The movie hits theaters on the 20th of September, and in honor of the movie's releases, we have two Downton Abbey prize packs to give away. Look at this. All this good stuff. You are specifically viewing a signed movie poster, a 3D puzzle, and also a $50 gift card to World Market, which is the home of the exclusive Downton Abbey tea sets, wine, and desserts. We're giving these away 
two ways. We have a Twitter giveaway and also a live chat giveaway. If you want to win the Twitter version, all you got to do is retweet today's show link and also tell us who your favorite Downton character is using the hashtag Downton Abbey Film. And then if you're in the live chat right now, all you got to do is answer the question of the day. The TV series cast that you most want reunited on the big screen. That's how you enter to win. We're going to pick winners during the show, so you're going to find out who snagged these two prizes at the very end of it. Now that that wonderful uh, bit of housekeeping has been taken care of, I have the pleasure of introducing my guests on this Friday, Silas and Hector. Hi, guys. Hi. What's up? What a classy prize pack. Seriously. Are you a Downton fan? I am not, but not yet. Maybe. Someday I'll get into it, maybe. Can I tell you? Please. Downton Abbey is... Not my kind of thing mm-hmm. whatsoever. But recently, I was encouraged to watch as much as I could, mm-hmm. and I burned through season one so freaking fast. Cool. I can't believe what a big fan I am right now. <laughs> I'm shocked. And well, I'm, yes. as always, I'm a fan of your T-shirt, Silas. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I guess I've worn this a couple times. Binicula? Anytime. Very nice. Very I'm a big nice. binicula fan. Anytime you wear that you like shirt, you are show? welcome to this set. Oh, the, cartoon the cartoon show is good. Hmm. Good. Well, now i got stuff to watch. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We also have stories to talk about today. First up, how many trailers is too many trailers before seeing a movie? Here is where this topic comes from. A poll conducted by Morning Consult and The Hollywood Reporter shows that nearly 60% of theater patrons would prefer fewer trailers to play in front of a feature film. 59% said that one to three trailers were preferable. 21% prefers four to six. Chains like AMC, Regal, and Cinemark average between five and eight previews before rolling the feature presentation. So first off... Where do you guys personally stand on this? How many trailers do you like to watch before you see a movie? I, I, it varies, but I also love the times that I'll get invited, like, and I'm so grateful to, like, a screening or something, and it's just like, okay, movie starts. Like, sometimes I do love sitting down and being like, okay, it's going to start in one minute. Oh, it's starting right now. Like, I love that. Uh, because I also have always been the person where I'll see trailers on my own. I've always sought them out. I watch them online. You know, I'm always aware of, like, what trailers are dropping and all that stuff. However, if I'm in the theater and I'm watching a movie and they're playing trailers and it's exciting to see trailers up on the big screen, I am in that, like, four to six range sweet spot. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. I think I am... I'm probably in this one to three range, but I'm I'm conflicted about it. I I would never go with just one. I would probably say if I could pick a specific number, it would be three. But the Mm -hmm. problem is, it's like if you listed a whole bunch of trailers for me and said, which ones do you want to see before this movie? I would pick the obvious things. And the point of trailers before a movie is to be exposed to something you know nothing about. So I am hesitant to say whittle it down to just three, because then all of a sudden maybe we're going to wind up with only three Disney movie trailers playing before every uh, feature presentation right right yeah what yeah. is your choice silas what would you go for i i am tempted to say as many trailers as possible <laughs> i love trailers um i i sort of miss trailers going to press screenings um and i always find it fun to see what's playing before movies when i actually go on my own uh i do think that it's sort of like i mean it's like getting a meal like you may say i love i love hamburgers uh but i don't want to eat 20 of them um but if they're deliciously made and they're yeah. well prepared and they're exactly what you're looking for, I was sure you, you were going to make a, a main course appetizer comparison, but no, you want a different on. route. Yeah, I want six hamburgers <laughs> in a row, please. Twenty—that's too many. But I'll take six. <laughs> I feel like if trailers were peanut butter sandwiches, I would have twenty of them. I say like. Not only more trailers bring back newsreels, bring back short films, yes. bring back cartoons. 
Okay. Absolutely. And then that little like, let's all go to the lobby. That oh, I'm thing. fine with that. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. it's like uh, going to a Pixar movie and getting a short film before the yes. feature. I do quite enjoy that. Let's check in on the live chat quickly. Uh, Pardis is saying more than four to five is a lot. We've got Derek Williams saying three or more is too many. Jonathan Caro is chiming in. You probably give at least 15 to 20 minutes to get popcorn and drinks and go to the bathroom while skipping the previews. Then you sit down in the theater just in time for the movie to start. I mean, that is probably the case with most because the mm-hmm. other thing we have to consider is the fact that now almost every major theater chain out there has reserved seats. So there is no reason for you to get there super early. Right. You already have the seat you chose. Right. and. That also kind of speaks to the future of the landscape of movie going going forward. Yeah. I mean, does the amount of trailers at all impact the war between theatrical and streaming? By reducing the amount of trailers, you, I guess, you don't necessarily even force someone to sit through them. But right. by reducing the amount of trailers, does that at all maybe increase the interest in sitting in a theater rather than sitting home sweet home? Well, at first I was thinking that no, it didn't. And at first I was thinking that these huge theater chains are never going to stop playing, you know, seven trailers and have 22 minutes of, of that time before the movie starts because, again, it's all advertising whatever else is coming out and they mm-hmm. want you to come back. But now I'm thinking, and it seems like it's really like a negligible amount of time, but if you were to reduce it to three or four trailers, does that mean that you could maybe squeeze in another show time, like during the day? Does that mean that the theater could get another whole showtime of, like, I don't know. I I doubt it. I don't think so, unless the movie is... I don't know, like a, a weird running time or whatever. You know what I mean? Like yeah. at first I thought, well, maybe that could help. But then well, I was thinking. you start doing the math and you yeah, add up so many minutes. show times throughout the day, it could make a big difference. Yeah, I mean, you, if you do, if you have six screenings and each have 20 minutes of trailers and you reduce that, you could maybe squeeze in another two-hour movie. Like that kind of like thinking. But then I thought, if a huge theater chain, and I'm really just looking at AMC. Like AMC if, to me is like the big culprit here because they are really the ones that I think have like 23 minutes of that buffer time. I'm calling you out, AMC. Um, I, I imagine, though, if, if, if AMC decided to actually use this to their advantage and they started to go, you know what? We, we hear the fans. We love our AMC, like movie patrons. We hear you. And we're now going to reduce. And they had like a little commercial next time you go to the movies. Like, we're reducing the number of, of trailers. So get here to the theater early. That's just to help them to, to tell people like get here to the theater early make sure that you get your snacks and your drinks beforehand make sure that you're here in your seat because now the movie's going to start earlier than you're kind of maybe planning and i feel like that could help because it could make it you know because regular movie going audiences yes they probably aren't keeping track of how many trailers there are and they get to the theater to get there before the first trailer the the, the screen time right the movie time and then yes maybe they're stuck in line getting concessions and going to the bathroom and so thankfully because of reserved seating and because of the fact that there's 23 minutes they're able to get back into their seat before the movie starts but like the rest of everybody who's aware of that stuff we are taking advantage of the time so if a movie theater were to go hey we're actually not doing that anymore we're hearing you and we want to try to give you the movies that you love like sooner get here earlier i feel like it would i don't know put a fire under everybody's butt i'm not sure am i crazy something i wasn't thinking about when we were just reading jonathan caro's uh, response is So let's say you've got something like 15 to 20 minutes of previews. That also encourages people to have a little time if they get there in time for that to spend money at the concession stand. And isn't that how theater chains make so much of their money? So I don't know. It's not going to change. This is an interesting thing. I 
I'm also just so hesitant to reduce the amount of trailers, too, because there's been so many times where we talk about a trailer here on Movie Talk, and obviously when that happens, we're watching them when they're released online on our teeny tiny computers, and I can't even begin to count the amount of times this year alone where I've watched a trailer on my computer. I'm like, all right, that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Then I see it on the big screen, projected Mm -hmm. on the big screen with the proper sound system, and it's got a completely different effect on me. Yeah. I don't think it's uh, as true anymore because we don't have as many big 3D releases, but... Uh, a couple years ago, going to a movie theater and seeing several trailers in 3D and getting to to sample that 3D yeah. before I see it, you can't do that anywhere else. I know. So it's a real let's, bummer. Let's say they reduce the amount of trailers. Let's okay. just uh, hypothetically play this through. What is an alternative way for them to sell the next big release? And particularly keeping in mind the fact that you know certain theater chains get certain movies. How do these change chains sell people on the ones that they're going to have on their screens well i think you do a couple things just like how even youtube now they'll have little intros before the trailer right uh film little intros with actors with people in the movie with the directors with somebody very interesting and associated with the film uh whether it's like a returning actor for part of a franchise or like a director who's up and coming or like a a really interesting writer have them film a little intro and then show the trailer for for after right after that intro but then like have them cue it up be like hey this is the trailer for this upcoming movie so check it out it's this is what i'm working on but then show the trailer somewhere in the lobby have a designated area before people can walk to their 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 darkened theater where you're maybe you're like you're pumping mustard on your like I feel like AMC already has that little <laughs> TV out there with commercials and different so like to grab people's attention that it's not just a commercial an AT&T commercial or whatever like I'm saying have a have a person related to the film go hey Stop pumping that mustard. I'm James Gunn, and this is the Suicide Squad. Check this out. Oh, I didn't know he was doing that. And then the trailer plays. Before you got into your visual, I automatically uh, pictured, like, little pods that you could put. Like, you know, where they have, like, like baby changing future. tables in airports where, like, you have, like, a little thing you could go in. Yeah. That's that's what I started to picture. Like, that a, was like not a what suicide booth from Futurama? No, that was not what I was explaining. No, but that's the maybe the future. I don't know. Uh, any alternative, Silas? I would say just sort of transparency of... Uh, we're going to have 15 minutes of trailers, and they are going to start at this time. And if you want to see them, come early. Yeah. If you don't, come late. Movie starts at this time. Yeah. 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 That's, that actually could clear a lot up because technically we get, we get a start time now, and that start time is when the trailers start. Mm-hmm. So if you had a very specific amount of time, you could just make the choice up to yourself, and that's it. Yeah, would that be too confusing if people bought a movie ticket on their phone, and it's like, for 3 o'clock, got it. And then when you get the ticket in email, it's like, 3 o'clock, parentheses, trailers. Well, 315 parentheses movie. Bringing back the airport uh, connection I just made. It's boarding time and takeoff time. Absolutely. Boarding time and takeoff. That's what they should call it. Isn't that snazzy? (laughs) No, that's confusing. (laughs) What? I got to get to LAX? I thought I bought a movie ticket, huh? (laughs) I would also point out, though, that uh, even if if you're somebody that trailers are are really annoying, uh, we see people at Comic-Con every year who Mm -hmm. will camp out for days to see those same trailers. For a trailer. Exactly. Well, there's tons of people out there who buy tickets for certain movies just to see a A trailer trailer. before projected on the big screen, and And, I totally get that. And you were saying that like now we have reserved seats, but even then, it's like, that doesn't always work out either. How many times have you bought a reserved seat, and you get there five minutes before the movie starts, and somebody's sitting in your seat, and then you have to do that awkward, like, excuse me. And it's dark, and like, Uh, what are are you going to do about it? And they go, they either go like, oh yeah, sorry, or they go no this is my seat and you have to be like no this is h4 
you're, this, you, you, you have J4. And they're like, oh, okay. So really still get to the theater early so that you can sit in that chair and there's no chance of somebody accidentally yes. sitting in your chair. And also just don't be a seat monster. If it's not yours, <laughs> don't sit there. All right. Let's talk about some plugs for Collider because we have a great list. First, I'm going to remind you the Downtown Abbey contest is up and running right now. Do not forget, you have the chance to win on Twitter and in the live chat. On Twitter, retweet today's episode of Collider Movie Talk. Also, use the hashtag Downton Abbey Film and tell us who your favorite Downton character is. And in the live chat, answer this question. What TV series cast would you want reunited on the big screen? We will take two winners and announce them right here at the end of the show. All right. Next big announcement. TIFF interviews. There are so many of them. So, like, really so many of them. I can't even begin to tell you. Going over to Collider.com. They're all going up live right now through the weekend, through next week as well. Now, the big deal is today is your very last edition of Collider Movie Talk at 3 p.m. PT starting Monday. We move to 9 a.m., so join us bright and early. We're all going to be high energy. We're not going to be drinking this nonsense. We're going to be drinking coffee, and it's going to be wonderful. We're going to have a longer program for you. We're going to have new segments. It's going to be great. I hope to see you there bright and early, 9 a.m. Pacific on Monday morning. All right, guys, story number two. We're talking about... J.J. Abrams and all of his money. So (laughs) here's the breakdown of exactly what's been going on. J.J. Abrams closed a deal with Warner Media yesterday, but he didn't just simply go with the highest bidder when he was trying to find this new home. For years, Bad Robot has been housed at Paramount, but with the deal up for renegotiation this year, Abrams took his show on the road, and he basically got pitches from all the major players. It includes Netflix and Sony Pictures, but it was Apple that made a very, very, very big play for Abrams in the range of $500 million. Ultimately, though, Abrams and Bad Robot passed on that option, and instead they took a deal worth $250 million from Warner Media. So why did he do such a thing? Warner Media offered something that Apple couldn't, and it's flexibility. When filmmakers and producers ink overall deals with these studios, what happens is that they're rarely exclusive contracts. They have the opportunity to go out and make products for other companies. With Apple, they wanted to get him exclusively. According to THR, they offered $500 million to house Bad Robot, what wanted the company only making Apple content. An added concern was the fact that Apple doesn't have a theatrical distribution model, so if Abrams did sign with them, his movies would only go directly to streaming. Abrams and Bad Robot did seriously consider this offer, but ultimately the exclusivity proved to be too much, so Abrams just passed and he took the 250 over at Warner Brothers. First question, just simply, what do you think of this decision? Is he crazy to have cut his paycheck in half, or is the flexibility worth the money? Good job. I think it's a good choice. Yes. Um, I think it's uh, uh, from the very little I know about movie business and dollars and cents and such, um, I think that it says a lot that that J.J. Uh, Abrams and his production company, Bad Robots, specifically went with a place that had m- a little bit more freedom. They went with Warner Brothers that had more, Warner Media, that had more of that flexibility because, you know, I, I feel like Apple has that uphill battle right now because they're not this kind of a company. They're not like a we-make-content company. They're a we-sell-products and, and tech company to go into the entertainment industry to, to, to it, would, it seems like, have a very different way of thinking that may have worked for 
their previous stuff. But it, that's the uphill battle. I feel like they're going to have to convince not only the creatives and everything, but also just like the audience, the people like us that are maybe aware of what the deals are and what's mm-hmm. happening, and what Apple's doing, and what you know how much their stuff's going to cost, and what kinds of creatives they have attached to their to their projects. Um, so that's the stuff that that they're going to have to to uh, to win over, I guess, like those groups. And I feel like this isn't. Uh, it seems again with the very little that I know, it seems like this, this isn't the smartest way to go about doing that. Is to go well, we want exclusivity, and every one might be going well that's not how any of this works so bye peace are you all for his decision oh absolutely i mean you can you can take your second choice of like a luxury cruise ship if the first choice is the titanic (laughs) um (laughs) well said (laughs) what what is the apple have like Mm -hmm. they have an idea for a service but every competitor has a service that is ready to go with genuine content that people care about Mm -hmm. And Apple has this idea that they should also do that. Yeah. I think, um, I think they're banking on, like, I think Apple thinks that people, that there's a brand loyalty when it comes to, like, movies and TV. And it's like, well, that's not really. The crazy thing is I feel that brand. Like, I feel yeah, that for brand. Sure. I feel that but brand again, loyalty. It's like you, I, I feel the brand, too. I got an iPhone in my pocket. This is different than, uh, than films and series, though. Exactly. Like, I, I don't. It's crazy to me, actually, when you put it that way, yeah. because while I do feel deep loyalty to sure. all of my it's, tech products at Apple, I don't feel a I, stitch listen, of it. I hate to say this, too, but the reality is I also have a, I have a brand loyalty specifically to brands like Marvel and DC and Disney and Lucasfilm and Pixar and Warner Brothers. I mean, I, I, like I, when I see Bugs Bunny and different Warner Brothers things mm-hmm. and you know, DC superhero movies and stuff, I, I love that. And I have recognized that brand connection. So to me, you know, even, even things like Sony, I'm like, well, Sony, Sony Pictures Animation. I, I have different brand loyalties there. But yeah, for the Apple thing, it's really – I feel like they are banking on that, uh, that they're going, well, no, people love Apple. And it's like, yeah, but – it's also J.J. Abrams has excelled at uh, – not that he hasn't come up with original things, but he has excelled at taking things that people are very familiar with and turning them into mm-hmm. something uh, something new and different. And Apple doesn't have that. Yeah. Warner Brothers has a huge catalog of, of movies that could be remade, TV shows, comic books. Um, yeah. Just the DC universe seems like it makes sense for – him to make yeah. his choice. Mm-hmm. This is also to uh, a much, it's, a, it's on a much different scale, but I can relate to the idea that all the money in the world won't matter if you feel kind of like shackled to a certain something or you mm-hmm. aren't super enthused with the opportunities that you have. So mm-hmm. if he was working with, let's say, you know, limitations over at Apple rather than having everything at his fingertips like he has had for many years, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I would take that. Paycheck he's, cut, and I absolutely. would go with the better option, he's more flexibility. That, he's had that feeling before. One of my favorite things about J.J. Abrams is that he talked about uh, uh, this specific thing with uh, uh, with um, Jeff Garland on like the Jeff Garland podcast, where he was once contracted to make a TV show for some company. Maybe it was Universal, NBC, I forget where it was. But he was contracted to do it, and it, the, the show ended up being Undercovers. And J.J. was not into it. It was like a spy show, and he was like, I don't really want to do this. But then he found a thing that made him excited about the project, which was – what if we cast two black leads in this show 
and the show had two black leads, very attractive people. He was really excited about that, but be, but he talked about on this podcast because of the fact that he and I guess some of the other maybe the other people that weren't like maybe on his same level. I'm not sure, but it, you, if you can find it, go listen to it. It's a really great conversation. He wasn't as into the idea kind of to begin with, and he felt that even with that great casting, that the whole rest of the show didn't have enough of a strong structure, and I think it was canceled after one season, maybe two seasons, and he felt really badly that the thing that he worked on, that it's like two black leads, and this is really cool and really important, and you don't see this at this type of show typically, failed. And so he felt, and I think that that was part of his decision-making process for one like, Disney came around and they went Star Wars and he went, great, great, great. Let's have a woman as the lead and let's have a Guatemalan guy and a black guy as like the co-lead. Like, I think that was part of his, of his thinking process is like, I messed up over here, but here's another opportunity to work on a thing I'm very into, but still take some of that same, you know, like excitement for well, what can we do in terms of diversity and representation mm-hmm. and, and all of that kind of thing. So um, I, he's definitely, I've heard him talk about feeling shackled and it, I don't think that it, it led to like a good creative product. So yes, you're right. Perry. He probably doesn't like that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you guys about is just, uh, again, with streaming services, they need a library of their own. The days of uh, giving out your content and making licensing deals is long behind us. They need a big library. And what we see in a lot of these streaming services right now is them striking up deals with different creators. I don't believe I can think of any that are fully exclusive like that. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know why this is the first one that's coming to mind, but it's like Adam Sandler and Netflix. You make, you know, this amount of movies for us, but mm-hmm. he isn't stuck with them for everything else. So, do you think that Apple's play, as far as aligning themselves with big names like J.J. Abrams, is going to be continuing down this path? Or is this kind of exclusivity deal J.J. Abrams specific? Mm, that's a good question. Don't they have a deal also with Spielberg? Apple, didn't they get Spielberg also? But it's I, that also cannot be an exclusivity yeah, deal. Like, there's no way. Got something. But. Something, yeah. right? Yeah. Most I, – I feel like, again, I don't want to say this without having the sure. facts in front of me, but sure. I do feel like most of the things I've read about original content over at Apple mm-hmm. is, is specific to – a show if not an amount of shows but it's not like you're with us and not with anyone else yeah yeah yeah. then i feel then yeah then this is probably just a jj specific thing maybe they did think with with his clout his name uh you know his production team and everybody at at, uh, skydance like that maybe that they could just drive up that huge truck full of money and be like we will get him but then it didn't work out so i think it's jj specific so jj passes on this money yeah if there is any other creator that you would suggest apple run to next who would it be that is worth that 500 million I mean, the ones I would suggest, I don't think Apple's going to. I mean, like, give it to Werner Herzog or Lars von Trier. (laughs) I would would sign up for Apple for that. (laughs) David Lynch. That'd be amazing. Werner Herzog at Apple. That'd be so great. Um, I mean, uh, I would, I'd give it to Ava DuVernay, but I, again, I don't, I feel like Apple probably wouldn't because, you know, people didn't love Wrinkle in Time like I did. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) You were going to get a Wrinkle in Time reference in here, weren't you? Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Jordan Peele. I don't know. But I feel like all those creators that I'm really excited about right now also have stuff set up other places, right? Yeah. I think. It's like, I want Ava DuVernay. To keep doing that New Gods movie for Warner Brothers. Let's There's go. So I want to see that. There's so few out there, though, yeah. that, that have the ability to, like, yes. write, direct, produce, and also have an entity like Bad Robot to their name also. It's it's very difficult to think of a solid mm-hmm. other option for Apple if they want to lock in a specific talent like find JJ. JJ. Ava DuVernay is an interesting person to bring up, though, just because yeah. she and, and JJ were supposedly very good friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's working in the DC universe 
in the past, we know J.J. Abrams had planned to do a Superman movie. That's right. Um, I, I could easily see that become his next big project after I, Star Wars. I agree. And I know that it's 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 very cliche to be like on Collider and let's bring it right back to those superhero movies. But honestly, it makes a lot of sense for 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 Bad Robot uh, to be at Warner Brothers and for them to go, hey, so we have this whole thing that we've been working on to varying degrees of success and failure. Uh, what's your ideas? What's your take? And I feel that the J.J. Abrams of today is a very different J.J. than the one that was maybe going to do Superman 15 mm-hmm. or whatever, 20 years ago. So, like, I love the J.J. of today. I love his original stuff. I love Super 8. I also love Lost, even though he left after the pilot. I still think that it's, you can kind of feel his, his, you know, his tendrils throughout the show. And I also really, really love the Star Trek Mission Impossible Star Wars J.J. Again, that J.J. that's tackled these huge properties and has, has been able to find a way to, like, translate it for modern audiences, update it, you know, re-energize it. Um, and I think that somebody like that would be very, very, very equipped to handle the, okay, Superman, let's talk about it. You know, let's, uh, Justice League, what happened? What can we do? What's your take? You know, Flash, Green Lantern, should we do it again? What are we going to, I feel that uh, JJ coupled with Ava DuVernay attacking from both sides could maybe, you know, she's like, I'll get the space stuff, you get the Earth stuff, and we'll meet in the middle. Boom. So maybe they should reassess and come at some creators with a package deal. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. You want to keep talking about superheroes because sure. I've got to get some live chat questions in the mix <laughs> and we have one that we really should hit from Zeno Hour who's asking thoughts on James Gunn revealing the full cast of the Suicide Squad and which cast member are you most excited about you can say Storm Reid Storm Reid Wrinkle in Time <laughs> I love Storm Reid she's great she was great in Wrinkle in Time and I hear she's great in Euphoria I haven't seen it yet I hear she's great in that um, but uh, very excited about that also Michael Rooker yes. with James Gunn is also great also I do want to mention like uh, Viola Davis is coming back. Um, and that's, uh, you know, and Idris Elba is in it. And I don't think he's not playing Deadshot. He's playing a new character. Um, and then um, there's some other returning cast members. Or is it just Viola Davis? Well, I was going to name Jai Courtney. Jai Courtney, that's Jai right. Jai Courtney needs way more love than he gets. And I hope... He- he stood out. He Suicide stood out Squad. in that first one, but I hope he gets even more to do Agreed. in this. Even though when I look at this gigantic graphic that he revealed, I'm like, someone's going to be in the movie for two minutes, yes. and I wonder who's it going to be. I'm just excited that uh, James Gunn and everybody at Warner Brothers, uh, you know, because they could have very easily, and I know this is a conversation for months. The conversation is: Is this a reboot? What is this? You know, how many characters are coming back? And are you just recasting certain actors and Will Smith can't do it? So does that mean that somebody else is going to play Deadshot? Does that make it a straight reboot? I'm just happy that with whatever continuity that they've set up, however you felt about the movie Suicide Squad, that they're able to, you know, call back on that and use it and build on it because um, it had an incredible cast. Again, however you feel about the movie, that cast was solid. Mm-hmm. It was stacked. That world building was there. I was re- like at the end of the movie, I was like, OK, bring on part two. And here's what I would do. Boom, 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 boom. But I was still just excited at the prospect of, you know, especially with those little like superhero cameos. Those those were fun. The Jai Courtney scene mm-hmm. with the Flash. I'm like, oh, cool. Captain Boomerang's fighting the Flash in a movie right now. That's awesome. More of this. More good of this, please. Who you got, Silas? Well, we'll say I think it's cool. Captain Boomerang is returning. Yes. <laughs> I think you know what here's my here's my call. I feel like he's going to survive to the end of the movie cuz Captain Boomerang is a staple for the Suicide Squad. Like he always almost dies and it's so dumb because he's the guy that doesn't have any powers and yet other characters get their heads blown off and other you know what I mean and they're like you know so I th- I bet he's going to live. I do have one choice I'm very excited for but mm. on your comment about continuity. I totally agree. I think even bad continuity is important to yes. embrace. And to that end Maybe Taika Waititi is his character from Green Lantern. What? Are you serious? 
That would be so ridiculous. <laughs> but my, my number wow. one is, is Peter Capaldi. Yes. Um, I oh, yeah. am such. I grew up such a big Doctor Who fan, and he not only is amazing as Doctor Who. I think he's my favorite Doctor. Wow. Uh, I've gotten to interview him, and he's who's he going to play? Is, I don't know. Uh, there are play? reports that he is bald in the role, which immediately Ooh. has people saying, "Oh, he's going to be Lex Luthor or some oh. Lex Luthor's father." But who knows? Interesting. Well, here's here's the thing about supervillains, which is a realization I just made a few days ago. No joke. Supervillains either have great hair or no hair. Like there's a lot of bald villains. So he could be he could be any number of characters from the DC universe. He could be like uh, like Mr. Zaz. He could be which would be so crazy, like an older, like British, you know, psychopathic. I don't know. He could be maybe he could be like Calendar Man or something. There's just so many different characters. That's really exciting. But it can't be. He can't be his. Taika cannot be the guy from Green Lantern because Angela Bassett played Viola Davis's role in Green Lantern. And now it's Viola Davis. People forget Angela Bassett was in Green Lantern, and she played that that same character, Amanda Waller, that Viola Davis plays in Suicide Squad. Never say never so in the film the, industry. All right, but Don Cheadle is, is War Machine, <laughs> okay, even though okay. Terrence Howard started but the role. Also, specifically, uh, Amanda Waller was killed in that movie. Like They killed off Angela Bassett's character, and I was like, that was a mistake. You shouldn't have done that. <laughs> all right, I'm going to get in one more live chat question here, because I feel like I should reference this, because, hey, I'm back from TIFF, guys. Uh, Nate Richard wants to know what movie that I saw at TIFF do I think think has the most potential to win best picture it's crazy because i was actually having this conversation with someone earlier even though i saw a whole bunch of movies at tiff that i really really loved mm-hmm. i didn't walk away like i did last year because last year everybody walked away and they're like oh star is born and obviously things can change as months go on sure. but star is born felt like the front runner i don't have that same feeling mm. about anything this year but i'll okay. tell you in my top right now i think i'm i'm Jojo Rabbit, Knives Out, and then the movie Waves from Trey Edward Schultz. I think those are my top three, but there's a lot. There's a lot that you guys should be very excited about, and you can find reviews and coverage of all these movies on Collider.com, Collider Video, and the Collider Interview YouTube channel. So check it all out. Before we say goodbye, we got to give out these Downton Abbey prizes. So we've got two winners here. Two winners. How are we organizing this? So... (laughs) I don't know how you organize this, Thad. Um, super chat. Oh, no. We have a super chat question. Let's, let's do that before I forget to answer okay. it. <laughs> What's an underrated performance that never gets recognition? For me, it's Tim Roth's devilish performance in Rob Roy. Do you guys have a, an underrated performance that never gets recognition? I guess this stemmed from Jai Courtney, so I'm happy that this Tim, question popped up. Tim Roth in Planet of the Apes. The the uh, the Tim Burton maybe Tim Roth in everything that Tim honestly, Roth is in honestly Tim Roth in <laughs> The Incredible Hulk without Norton like that's a really good performance too I don't know um, it's a great question Vin Diesel in The Iron Giant I think does a lot of with his f- like six words that he says or whatever I think well that's Groot I guess man I don't know Silas you probably have a really good answer <laughs> I don't I I need to think about it I mean there's certainly underappreciated performances but mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm striking a blank I'll give you a chance to think about it because now I understand these notes so <laughs> with the Downton contest first we're gonna just like run through some answers that people put in for their favorite characters we've got Edith uh, Mr. Carson Daisy Mr. Bates uh, the Dowager Countess of course um, and then we have some uh, choices for the TV ensembles that people most wish would be brought together again oh, yeah. on the screen. The shows that some submitted were Malcolm in the Middle, The Nanny, The Office, How I Met Your Mother, and Buffy. So, oh no, friends! Our... Love? I would have put friends. All right, all right, we can all we can right. add all friends. Right. You, we right. can add friends on your behalf. Thank you. All right, our Twitter winner today, Twitter winner is the Ben Berkowitz. 
the Ben Berkowitz. You're, you're probably just Ben. Congratulations. I hope you enjoy this prize pack, and I hope you enjoy Downton Abbey when you see it in theaters on the 20th. Now, our live chat winner. Huge congratulations to Jenny Lawson. You have officially won. So, guys, again, enjoy your prizes. Don't forget the movie hits theaters on September 20th. Not letting you off the hook. Did you think of anything? You know, the, the, the one that pops in my head is it's sort of a, a silly one because it's very recent, but uh, Benicio Del Toro in Last Jedi. Oh, I think yeah. was gl- sort of glossed over. In Solid the, pick. Uh, all the debating back and forth about it, but I think he is so good. Solid pick. And he has that one line uh, where he just goes, maybe, which apparently was an ad lib on his part, and it's wow. so good. And it basically sums up that character. That's a really great one. I'm going to go um, Matthew Fox in Speed Racer. Oh, wow. That's a great choice. <laughs> Speed Racer's been coming up a lot lately. Speed Racer is an incredibly underrated film, and I'm sure by now the Collider audience has been hit over the head with like how much people really enjoy it. But like everybody in that movie is giving it 100%. And it's like this movie did not deserve everybody to give it 100%. It's this kid movie. It's Speed Racer. But it's the Wachowskis at their most bombastic. And Matthew Fox was like, man, he was selling it hard in that movie. And, and usually brings a tear to my eye because he's the, you know, he's a spoiler alert. He's Speed Racer's brother, Rex Racer. <laughs> but he's actually Racer X. But he convinces you. I mean, you know, know. that that's going to be the twist. Know, and he but still manages to convince you that it's not going to happen. I know. And that end moment, it's so, it's great. So, yeah. I'm going to give, a, like, a not a specific movie answer, but just a general person in the industry that I think is underappreciated because he's not, like, the most familiar name or face. Logan Miller. Do you mm. guys know what he's in? He, he was in uh, the movie Escape Room this year, which I thought was one of the better, you know, wide-release horror movies we got. But cool. I have never seen a movie with Logan Miller in it where he doesn't give a role. Like, I mean 110%. You can always count on him to be fun, full of energy, cool. and just give it everything he's got. So I'm throwing his name in the middle. And that's it. We are winding down here. We have to give a huge thanks to Hector and Silas for joining us on this Friday. Huge thanks, as always, to Cody in the booth. That in the chat. You guys rock. And, oh, boy, this is it. This is our last edition of Collider Movie Talk at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Monday morning, we're going to 9 a.m. Write it down. Don't forget, we're going to see you bright and early. Enjoy all the Collider content you're getting this weekend, like mailbag, whole bunch of interviews, We are going to see you soon. Like and share this episode. And uh, Monday, it's coming at us real soon. 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. It's that little chico pit bull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive. Brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 